This is Proxy Countdown. Welcome to the big show for the week of February 19th, 2024. Alongside my tag team partner, Matt Muscardi, I'm Damian Rollis. On today's countdown, two new playthings for Mark Zuckerberg on the meta board. The Southeast Asian CEO revolution continues at PTC. The ongoing meme proxy battle at Disney. Finally, some shareholder anger at Norfolk Southern. And on the big vote, a deep dive at Qualcomm, that company that you sort of know who they are and kind of know what they sell. Let's go to our trade wire, Matt. Mark Zuckerberg has added two new directors to the board at Meta Platforms. John Arnold and Hawk Tan. Both will serve on the Audit and Risk Oversight Committee. Hawk Tan is the longtime CEO at semiconductor company Broadcom. Hawk is accustomed to serving with dictators as the Broadcom board is controlled by the 69% influence of its chair and co-founder Henry Samueli. John Arnold is a hedge fund guy having become the youngest billionaire in the U.S. at the time uh, in 2007 at the age of 33. Sounds like Mark. Before starting his first hedge fund, he was known as the king of natural gas for his prolific work at Enron, where he specialized in trading of natural gas derivatives. He received the largest bonus in Enron history, $8 million just prior to Enron's infamous collapse. His current foundation, Arnold Ventures LLC, has come under heavy scrutiny recently for issuing a grant to the Baltimore Police Department to trial aerial surveillance hardware and for creating a dystopian public safety assessment, which gave recently arrested individuals a score to determine their flight risk and potential bail, among other controversies. In the end, Matt, Meta can proudly announce that a former successful day trader at Enron, who heavily profited as the company was collapsing, is sitting on its audit and risk oversight committee. You know, nothing sells confidence <laughs> like having come from Enron. Unbelievable. And sitting on the audit committee. Uh, John Arl really is a copy an image in the made in the image of Mark Zuckerberg. In fact, John Arnold has several articles out defending Mark Zuckerberg's philanthropic giving style, uh, which is always was always bodes well for his independence in managing, hypothetically, Mark Zuckerberg as his because you're hiring, firing the CEO on that board, right? Yes. The Southeast Asian CEO revolution continues, this time at PTC, where Neil Barua succeeds James Heppelman as the new CEO at the computer software and services company. Heppelman is not sticking around, however, as the board, he's not even staying as the board chair and is taking his 34% of board boardroom influence with him. So it really is... Neil Barua's company over there at PTC. And lastly, two large cap companies announced CEO transitions. Padraig McDonnell will succeed Michael McMullen as CEO of Agilent Technologies in May. And Robert Michael 
will succeed Richard Gonzalez at AbbVie in July. So from a Mick to a Mick and from a Rob to a Rick, Matt, this is the nature of Fortune 500 companies in America. At least they're not all named John. That would have been even better. Well, let's get to our proxy cage matches. The barrage of proxy contest filings keeps coming at Disney. Of note, Black Blackwells has filed headshots of its three nominees featuring a scowling Craig Hatkoff. The filing says this of Craig, quote, you couldn't sketch a better Disney leader in a writer's room. Mm. <laughs> they also took a shot at Nelson Peltz. Nelson Peltz of Tryon Fund, also uh, battling uh, Disney in a proxy contest, saying that, quote, begging for board seats is not a strategy. And they accompanied that with a very strange picture. Looks like it was made by AI of an old man on one knee, Praying to a mouse in a pinstripe suit. And that mouse is not Mickey Mouse. It's just a mouse in a pinstripe suit. Uh, the hashtags for Blackwell's campaign are, hash, are hash, uh, hashtag the future of Disney and Disney deserves the best. Those are the two hashtags. I looked at the filing history mm -hmm. since January 1st of 2023, when effectively we started this round of activism, there have been over 90 proxy filings Several per alone. Day. 90, mm -hmm. because every time they tweet something, Disney actually has to capture the tweet and put it in a filing, and it's all there. And it really makes it look like boys arguing with one another at a, at a playground. Speaking of which, Tryon Fund has filed a large photo of disgruntled nominee Jay Rasulo, the former CFO at Disney. Mind you, CFO is quoted as saying that something's broken in the creation of creative content. That's a quote. And I got to read, I'm sorry, I got to read this whole quote because it just really encapsulates the, the folksiness of this campaign. Uh, the other thing that Jay Rasulo said is, I think from the very start, back in the 30s, when Walt created the first feature animated film, it started the Disney flywheel. In fact, Walt invented the Disney flywheel that you could take something that pleased people in a movie theater, make it into consumer products, ultimately put it into Disneyland as rides and attractions. Animation is so key to the Walt Disney Company. So key to the success and the running of the flywheel that to imagine that the Walt Disney Company has lost its iconic status in animation today is almost unbelievable. And personally, it really affects me because this is how we created success when I was at the company. End quote. That's all a quote. It's it's not the most elegant quote I've ever heard. It's worth saying, though, that Rasulo got his B.A. in econ and then went on to get his master's in econ and then worked at Chase Bank and Marriott and their financial department. So I'm not sure that he's a writer or a creative process kind of person. So I, I don't know what the bar here is. I, I think that this is about the level that we can expect from Jay Rasulo, right? Tryon also announced uh, that it is asking voters to specifically vote out two Disney directors, uh, Maria Elena Lagomasino and Michael Froman. I think that's the first time that they've actually uh, targeted the directors of Disney. Uh, moving on, according to several reports, 
It has been a banner week for billionaire investor Carl Icahn. Carl not only managed to procure two board seats at JetBlue and two board seats at American Electric Power, but he also celebrated his 88th birthday. Arc House Management has launched a proxy fight at department store Macy's, nominating nine directors to the company's board. Macy's had previously rejected an unsolicited bid from Arkhouse to take the retailer private for $21 per share. And lastly, a group of investors led by Ankara Holdings said it had proposed replacing Norfolk Southern's top management, including its CEO and COO, and nominated eight directors to the railroad operators board. The investor group which holds a large equity stake in the company, aims to replace CEO Alan Shaw with former UPS COO Jim Barber and to replace COO Paul Duncan with Jamie Boychuk. Boychuk previously departed rail company CSX uh, for, quote, for reasons unexplained, end quote, after serving as executive vice president of operations for only six years, and according to his LinkedIn profile, has been retired, self-employed since August 2023. Now, that retired, self-employed, I'm pretty sure was, and Cora probably reached out to him, said, we want to nominate you for a board seat. You need to retire or be self-employed for that to happen. That's my guess. Uh, that's not for board seat. That's for COO. At, uh, oh, sorry. COO. Yeah. That's, yeah. Moving over to our vote results table. All directors received between 11 and 18% votes against their re-election at Central Garden and Pet Company. High under normal circumstances, but 82% of voting power at the company is held by company founder William Brown and institutional voters, meaning that basically every other shareholder voted to remove the board. At Inglay's Market, both Class A directors were rejected. That's Ernest Ferguson and John Loden voted out. Class B directors, however, were re-elected because Class B voting power is dominated by company founder Robert Inglis. And at large cap companies, PTC was notable because while most resolutions pass with ease, it was actually the vote to confirm auditor PricewaterhouseCoopers that received the most pushback just over 10% of votes said no to PwC. We rarely see this, Matt, a pushback mm. against the auditor. I mean, it's there are some cases in which uh, when the auditor's been the auditor for like 100 years, you would expect to see some pushback, but it doesn't happen that often. No. And finally, at Fair Isaac, say on pay nearly fails as 42% of voters said no. However... BlackRock, Vanguard, and Insiders control 25% of the vote. So again, it looks like Sam Pei basically failed at Fair Isaac. At issue, CEO William Lansing received a special performance-based retention and leadership continuity award valued at nearly $37 million on top of his normal equity valued at another $28 million, not to mention a $25,000 spousal travel perk. I, um, I, when do I get a special performance-based retention leadership continuity <laughs> award? I want that. You don't. Let's move over to the big vote. 
today, Matt, our focus is on Qualcomm. Their meeting is coming up uh, beginning of March, I believe, March 5th. Uh, you know, I, uh, this is, I, I don't have a lot to say about Qualcomm. I'm looking forward to your analysis on this vote. I, I, I mean, this is, a, this is a pretty average large cap company as they go. Uh, the ownership is, is, you know, Vanguard controls 10% of shares. BlackRock controls 8%. Overall, the board is very average. They're hitting 462, according to our metrics. Uh, the only thing that was striking to me in, in looking at this board was that they, have, they of course, have their skills matrix. Uh, but at a company like Qualcomm, uh, one of the most important skills, I would think, is information security. And actually... Uh, this is a underrepresented skill set on this board. Only four directors have skills in information security. The only other category with so few directors was uh, climate and environmental skill set. But surprising nobody. Like, yeah. When you're talking about skills, you, there's skills, and then there's I've worked at a place where that thing True. happens, doing True. something totally different. This is their assessment point. of skills, right? So, so he, here's what I did. Um, yeah, go ahead. I, Get right into I, it. I think in your opening, you described Qualcomm, a company you sort of know, but you and you kind of know what they sell, yeah. but you don't really care. In my head, I think they I think they sell chips, not potato chips, but maybe computer chips. And I think because of my sports knowledge, I think they're in California because I think they named us maybe a football stadium after themselves or something. I do. <laughs> they are in San Diego. That okay. is correct. And you're you you're right about both the potato chips and the, <laughs> oh. the computer chips. Okay, good. Now, their major competitors here are Intel, sure. Broadcom, NVIDIA, sort of an adjacent competitor. They do all mobile IoT chips, basically like okay. your dishwasher, your car, oh. your phone, anything that has a Bluetooth chip in it or a Wi-Fi chip in it. Those are all Qualcomm chips for the most part. Okay. They're fabulous chips, meaning they're not fabricated using water. They're, they, they don't need, um, they need a different uh, inputs to build. Mm -hmm. What the story of Qualcomm basically is, they are boring. The year to date, is, they're up 6% versus 4% for the S&P. They're barely beating it. To, you know, on the back of NVIDIA's news of, of earnings in the past week, they NVIDIA is up 15% and everybody's on the AI boom. Qualcomm, meanwhile, up one and a half or 2%, right? Oh, like this is okay. not a company that is riding the chip wave of the, hmm. uh, the AI wave. Um, in fact, analysts are considering Qualcomm overvalued as a consensus view at a 21 price, uh, uh, price to earnings, okay. which is like average price to earnings, which means that everyone thinks that this is a boring commodity play. Yeah, let, let's talk about boring because let's, let's talk about the board then. Yeah. So is the board does the board reflect that? The board totally reflects that. It's an aristocratic board. Ninety-two percent of the influence on the board is from CEOs or ex-CEOs. This okay. is just a bunch of CEOs. Sure. Um, Fifty percent of the board are connected, so it's a bunch of CEOs who know each other sitting on a board together. Mm -hmm. They're all, as you said, middle of the pack performers. There's no one with any particular influence, you know, consolidation. They're even politically similar. They have community board uh, uh, similarities. Mm -hmm. um, this is the one of the more boring boards. In fact, I would say that they're, they're conservative um, in terms of they take less debt, they pay less in dividends, they do give average pay to their CEO, average pay to their employees. 
they are there are no superstars. There's no rookies. They didn't even change from last year. This is mm-hmm. the most the top performer bat 600 overall. That's yeah. like as average as you can get. And the market could care less about them. Almost all all of these directors, wherever they go, are old guard tech or totally unrelated, which is what I want to get into because, I, I mean, I think this this board, the future bet thesis on this mm-hmm. board, like the, why you would buy Qualcomm and think you're going to make some money on the stock, it, you have to be asking yourself, is this a commodity company where they just make mobile chips that get slightly more energy efficient and maybe go faster, and margins are always low, you're pumping out as many chips as you can, or is this like a baby AI, a mobile AI chip maker, where AI is going to get increasingly powered on phones? Like you're going to be walking around with a personal assistant on your phone or, a, right. or wearing your Vision Pro and processing tremendous amounts of information in very tiny chips um, that you need that energy efficiency. Are they part of a mobile AI revolution? Is That's like the central question to me. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because, you know, it, it, my takeaways from looking at the board, in everything you're saying, uh, my sense is that who are these people? Like, like, like <laughs> how right. how is this board positioned for the... I, one thing that stood out to me, Matt, in my notes is that 25% of the board, which is not insignificant... Are basically from come from the military. They have ties to the military, and then you have, you know, random people like the CEO from Sony Pictures, the uh, CEO at Mondelay. Um, you have uh, uh, someone from um, Cardinal Health from Ford. Like, who are these? Someone who's this, this former CEO of Girl Scouts of America. I mean, why? Why them? Why Qualcomm? How are they? How is this board positioned to help them in the future? Well, here's the here's what yeah. I did for this board in particular because I wanted to know like is is Qualcomm so the board's role is to basically be guardrails on growth for the most part, right? Uh, except that some companies you will use the board as strategic for growth rather than just guardrails on growth. This board seems to offer neither thing. Hmm. So I compared it to other boards. NVIDIA's board, six of the 14 board members at NVIDIA are venture capital or have venture capital backgrounds. Six, wow. Two of the 14 are deep academic lab engineers. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, like th- these are super smart, like a uh, future of the world academics. And then you've got another couple marketers, couple tech, a lawyer, a healthcare device, but this is a growth-focused board at NVIDIA. They're basically looking at like venture capital and academics, engineers, right? right? Yeah. Intel, two venture capitalists, two academics, three medical devices. That's more growth-oriented. Yeah. Even Broadcom, you have mm-hmm. two venture capital or activist investors who are pushing for growth. This board has not only no one really in venture capital at all. And I was going to say, from my notes, I don't think, I don't remember seeing any academics. There are no academics. Where are the academics? Where's somebody who's working in like a jet propulsion laboratory currently? Like where's somebody from MIT who's like working on the future of mobile AI, right? Like where are those people on this board? And this company should want them. Yeah, you know, we talk about all the time this 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 hidden nature of boards representing their regions, right? We talk a lot about Midwestern boards this way, um, especially in the Chicago area, uh, that that's, that definitely represent the Chicago business community. 
in many ways, uh, this board does the same thing. It's it's not in Silicon Valley. It's in San Diego. <clears throat> San Diego's reputa- reputation is basically what you described at the beginning, Matt, which is boring, kind of conservative, and a and a very strong military presence. Yes, w- which does which which I guess should not surprise you when you see that twenty five percent of the board comes from the military. It, it's it's very strange. It's a very it's a, it's a board that's apropos for San Diego, but maybe nothing else. And, well, and and that's what gets into the people themselves, right? Like there are people on here that made sense 10 or 15 years ago. Like Ann Livermore is on this board. She's the longest tenured executive and one of the most connected people in Silicon Valley in terms of boards she's been on. She's one of the most boarded people in our database. And she's been at HP forever. Mm-hmm. But 10 or 15 years ago, HP was relevant. Right. It's not. It's not in this AI game. It's not in a chip game. It's a totally sort of different business model. Then you've got people like Mark Fields, who was the CEO at Ford Motor and the mm-hmm. interim CEO at Hertz Rent-A-Car. Like, right. wh- how does that person end up on the board? <laughs> Except that I know yeah. Qualcomm puts chips in cars. So maybe the thinking is, you know what? Add somebody who's got some cars the that they've sold. Car you know, market, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the car market. <laughs> yeah. But but you also have Greg Johnson, whose background includes marketing at Advanced Auto Parts, Best Buy, Gillette, Kodak, SC mm-hmm. Johnson, Kraft Foods. You've got uh, Irene Rosenfeld from Mondelez. You mentioned Mondelez. Mm-hmm. Her entire background is in snack foods at General <laughs> Foods, Kraft Foods, and Mondelez. Yeah. Why well, is she actually got? A, I've never seen this before. She got um, a, a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in business, and a PhD in marketing. A PhD in marketing. Mm-hmm. Why is she on this? Like, what ironic snack at a food company that marketing is ironic, necessary here? Yeah, I was gonna say ironic at a company that we always kind of forget what they do. You have no idea what they do. In yeah. fact, when you go through the skills or the backgrounds of all of these directors, about half of them came from marketing, marketing mm. in fi- or, or, or finance adjacent kind of roles, mm-hmm. which means there are almost no engineers except for the CEO on this board and one director, Sylvia uh, uh, Achevedo, who mm-hmm. was at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab, but now is the CEO of the Girl Scouts, right? Like, yeah. So you've got one person who was an engineer and then the CEO. So yeah. at least you have two engineers, although one of them is the company, right? So that, that means when he shows up, when Christian Amano shows up and he's talking to the, you know the board... Is he only talking to the one other engineer in the room? Is that the way that works? This is a very strange board, except Mm -hmm. that it's old tech, mostly finance and marketing, and no one who's thinking about the future outside of maybe the CEO himself. They're highly interconnected people with no sort of future, and they don't even compare to their immediate competitors. Like, there's not a comparison. Yeah, I'll... Yeah. I'll, let me yeah. add one other thing. What's odd too is that it's not like this board was created in uh, you know the late '90s and the early 2000s. the The shortest tenure that I'm seeing at quick glance, uh, I'm saying the long. I'm sorry, the longest tenure I'm seeing at quick glance is uh, from 2015. Yeah, eight so, years. So that, eight right. So years. so which is unusual in itself for an American uh, company of this size. So they they actually have had the opportunity. They they've refreshed this board quite considerably they've have had the opportunity to bring in 
kind of a more modern uh, day version of this company, but they they refuse to do so. Well, when you refresh the board and you and still somehow 50% of the board are connected to one another through other boards, it means you're just refreshing from the same pool of people. You well, could have the same 10-year, 15-year-old people. You might as yeah. well just have them because you're just refreshing it with their friends. Well, that's why I will say that it, why it's so important to take a deeper dive on these boards because the woman who runs the nomination committee is Anne Livermore, who really is that kind of old-fashioned exactly. director that comes up in so many of our shows and you're right she's kind of been at every company and kind of just knows a bunch of people and and is not really focused on what Qualcomm does but is focused on creating a, a very strong network so if you go to the recommendation part which yeah, go I, and I'm going to I'm going to start if we're going to talk about like what the future of this company is, I mm -hmm. think you want, this is like a potential activist target in the making Ooh. because this is a board that is constructed entirely for itself yeah. and for uh, like limiting any risk taking and being boring, making chips that actually could power future technology in our palms that would be useful, could be a, a viable competitor in the marketplace for mobile AI. So I think what you want out of this board is to begin the refreshment process to move it towards uh, a boring company that no one knows what it does to a growth company that's doing like AI-focused chips in the palm of your hand. Not that I want that in the palm of my hand, but that I, that I think is the play here, right? Which gets Makes us sense. to the actual votes. Yeah. And I think there are effectively two strong no's that, um, out of this field. One is Mark Fields, okay. who is the former ex CEO at Ford. At Ford and interim CEO at Hertz Rent a Car. Mm -hmm. um, he has a bachelor's in econ and an MBA. He was in marketing and sales, and he spent his life in cars. You don't need a car representative on sure. the board of your chip maker. You need to replace a Mark Fields with an academic mm -hmm. or, 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 or somebody who's more growth-oriented, who's future, a future technologist of some kind. And the second one would be Irene Rosenfeld. Yeah. She's the ex-CEO of Mondelez. Mm -hmm. You don't need someone with a PhD in marketing. Uh, yeah, I think she's there. She's the chair of the compensation committee. Uh, she is there to assure that the CEO's pay stays up at that high level uh, compared to peers. I think that's really her role on that board. I think between those two directors in particular make no sense on this board if you're positioning for growth. And I think next year you actually can focus on Greg Johnson, who has uh, some background in cybersecurity, but on the marketing side of cybersecurity. Um, and you, it's time for Ann Livermore to leave, right? And yeah. not that her tenure is long in this board, but she is likely, be, given her deep connections and given her long tenure in an old version of technology, it's likely that her influence on this board is actually a net negative if you want to position yourself for future growth. So I think overall, this year, I think it's two no's to Mark Field and Irene Rosenfeld. And next year, you're looking at Greg Johnson and Ann Livermore. And then you should be positioned, if you replace them with the right kind of academic VC sure. growth oriented, you should be positioned for the future. Let me add to that, uh, considered also Tony 
Vince Cara, who's the longest tenure director, who is CEO at Sony Pictures and sits on the board of Madison Square Garden Sports uh, that's Corporation. That's true. Yeah. Seems like a little bit of dead weight. All right, great. Uh, that's the... I, I love this. This is our first uh, big vote company that... Uh, you made a uh, activist call here, all right? Yeah, activist I, alert. They are like looking. We need a sound wise, effect for this. <laughs> looking at the team, mm-hmm. it's possible to actually identify sort of poorly performing team and then say how did the company perform? And looking at the fact that this is pure guardrails on a company that should be a growth company that makes no sense at all, and that's exactly what activists do. Uh, moving on uh, with the resolution, you know, there's a. True to its nature, Matt, uh, nobody really even knows what what Qualcomm is or what they do and who their board is. Uh, They don't even have any shareholder proposals. It's rare for a company of this magnitude and size uh, to have zero shareholder proposals, but that seems very Qualcomm. I don't really have a lot to say about Seon Pay, uh, 94% support last year. I I will say this because I know you love this one. Finally, I, we did find we have a company where if you hit below the 24th, 25th percentile in relative TSR results, it results in no shares earned. So they actually they actually do do that one right. I don't have much to say on say on yeah. pay for the CEO either. I actually think there should be say on director pay here. This mm-hmm. is a hugely overpaid board. The average director is paid 400K a year. All for the pleasure of getting Hertz rent-a-car advice and HP printer cartridges. That's yeah. banana pay um, for a board that is outclassed by every single one of its competitors. Mark McLaughlin, who has eight years tenure on this board, or nine years tenure, made $540,000 for each of the last two years. And he's the... All for what? He he's the vice chair at Palo Alto, which is actually at its lowest price since it IPO'd. I don't know what kind of advice you're getting for a, oh nearly a half a million dollar per director, but there is no way that the you know director say on pay should pass if they ever had that vote. Um, otherwise, the CEO pay. There's not much to see. I do like no shares uh, that you get actually punished below the 25th percentile. Yeah, uh, I also did make a note uh, about director compensation as well. Is that what stood out to me is that this is a board that is paying uh, in aggregate about three hundred thousand dollars so that it can match director gifts. I mean, I'm not. I'm all for charitable contributions, but. Why, 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 why do shareholders have to be matching the gifts of its directors? And its directors are getting a half a million each. It's crazy. I know, I know. Uh, Moving on, before we wrap up this show, um, they also have a vote on a long-term incentive plan. I think we can skip that. That was 11% no uh, last year. I I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Do they break those out often? I Say on pay and say on L-tip pay? I don't feel like I see yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's rare, but some companies do put that that up to vote, it seems like, every year. Um, and, you, and you'll always notice that there's always a little bit more pushback against the long-term incentive plan than there is against say on pay for some reason. Hmm. Um, finally, uh, Qualcomm is doing uh, two votes that you're going to see more and more regularly at these big companies. Uh, these are both management proposals, both proposals that they are supporting, that the board is supporting. One that you have talked about a lot in the past is this exculpation of officers, right? This is a big vote. We're seeing this routinely. I don't I know if you this. have 
Yeah. Do you have a uh, go ahead? What's your point of view on this one? I, look, I think the, why would any shareholder voluntarily make it easier for a director to be negligent in their duties? I, I don't. Since 2022, these proposals have been rolling in since it became you know uh, possible in Delaware to do this. But these these directors already have DNO insurance that mm-hmm. indemnifies them against basically everything, and investors vote them out at a 0.2 percent rate on average globally, and they get an aggregate of seven. Seven to 14 years of tenure and millions in compensation over that period for 12 meetings a year. And now we're going to exculpate them, like yeah. give them a little bit extra less risk. They don't have any risk. You should maximize your risk to them individually as a shareholder because they are responsible to you. This is a definite no. You know, I, I, I had the same comment for this one as I did for the next one, which I'm about to talk about, which is basically that I, I put the same note, basically asking shareholders to vote against their best interest. Just like in Proposal 6, uh, and we're, I'm seeing a lot more of, of these votes this year, and this is a bylaw amendment to require claims under the Securities Act to be brought in federal court. It's basically, this is, this is part of a federal forum provisions. Uh, in a nutshell, it's basically... Uh, coercing shareholders to let the company try uh, class action suits, not in Delaware, not in states, but take them directly to the federal court, which is which is again against the best interests of shareholders. Uh, yeah, well, imagine if Tesla's clawback happened in a federal court instead right. of Delaware, right? right? I actually every time I see these, the exculpation and th- these bylaw amendments that sort of limit liability by mm-hmm. moving it to a different court. I, the first thing I think is what they're what are they hiding? Why do you need exculpation? In, in this case, in the same propo- the same like proxy, you want to exculpate the directors and change the bylaws to make it harder to bring a class action against them in the state. Why would you need that this year? Is there something we don't know? I mean, I don't right. know anything. Like, but it makes me suspicious, and I say no to everything um, that that limits that liability. All right, that's it. That's uh, that's the big vote for Qualcomm. Uh, Matt suggesting uh, the board a good target for uh, activist uh, activity, which I like. Um, and then uh, Matt also saying vote no against both management resolutions that are basically stripping shareholders of their ability to, to provide oversight at the company. Uh, that's it. That's the proxy countdown for the week of February 19th, 2024. Join us next week. When we jump back into the alternative democracy pool, forever on the lookout for, yes, shareholder sharks, floating band-aids, of course, and wayward direct.